Can somebody turn the, the light out? Sorry. The one, the one on the far side. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Hey, how about that? Ambience achieved. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming uh, to our fifth and final Verbal Remedy podcast for 2018. Um, I'm delighted to see all of you turn out. Thank you. Most of you are from my work, which is going to be increasingly awkward as time goes on. Thank you anyway. <laughs> this is just going to be something a little out of the ordinary, a bit informal. So sit back, drink some tea. Swearing is fine. Awkward questions oh, that's are a fine. <laughs> yeah. um, awkward laughter, all of that stuff. So if you haven't heard of Herbal Remedy before, uh, you in the audience probably have, but you listening as nature intended to this podcast uh, in the bath or in bed or in the car or whatever, uh, we are a petition signing taboo tackling blog project from the UK. And our aim is to tackle tough issues through various multimedia projects. So uh, our podcast series asked authors and some special guests to get together and discuss issues that mean a lot to them. So we've had a different theme each episode. This is the first year that we've done a podcast. We've done a few live radio things before, which is where I got to meet most of the people that write for Verbal Remedy now. The first episode we did this year was on women's bodies. So we delved into the realms of body image, abortion, hair removal, picking apart the ways that women are kind of poked and prodded across the Western world and beyond. Next came Science and Technology, where we headed across to Gateshead College and ICRA had a lively discussion about diversity in STEM with two of their staff, along with guests from our sponsor, Sunderland Software City. In the summer, we moved on to the theme of finding your voice through writing, through activism and also through comedy. And then last month, we got deep and meaningful and talked about the word home and what that means to different people. And here we are. <laughs> So our theme for tonight is a bit of a dark and mysterious one. We're calling it Things We Do in the Dark. And the idea around it was, do you have insomnia? Do you have weird dreams? Do you work the night shift? Believe in the paranormal? Is kind of when the moon is up and the sun goes down, this time where you do all sorts of weird stuff or your inhibitions kind of lifted? Do you see urban foxes and milkmen and the people who deliver the metro magically to all the bus stations and it's just there when you arrive? Is 4am your favourite crying time or your poetry writing or your masturbating time? And we're hoping to unpack a few of these tonight, probably not the masturbating one, and draw on issues like mental health, uh, sex and relationships, and a lot more in the process. So enough from me. I'm going to let my three lovely panellists introduce themselves. So if you could just tell me who you are, what your pronouns are, and you know why you're here, how you came to uh, get involved with Verbal Remedy. Let's start with Saffron. Hello, I am Saffron. Um, you can call me Safi. My pronouns are they and there. And I was originally involved with Verbal Remedy since the beginning, pretty much when I was on the Newcastle Student Radio of the same name, the uh, show that we had. That was pretty much right near the beginning. And I, I think it was me, you and Lucy Morgan, and it was talk on feminism. Yeah. Um, and then ever since then, I've I've been writing um, occasionally for Verbal Remedy and did some intern work over the summer for them as well as a school's engagement coordinator and done a bit of video presenting with you guys. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, currently I'm studying and I'm an external student at Newcastle studying an MA in film. And I also do a lot of gender rights and LGBT activism. And, you know, that's that's gone national in the past as well. And I just want to, yeah, I'm just really excited to to delve into. I really want to go like TMI this evening. Oh God. <laughs> Let's get personal. Thank you for yeah. publicly telling us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm creating intrigue for later on in the podcast. So the listeners <laughs> keep listening. So. I mean, TMI for us is probably quite. You, you know all, you know all the ins and outs of my life, so it's no to you. But, Amazing. Yeah. Thank cool. you. Seth Thank Ron. you for having me. Ikra. How to follow that. Um, <laughs> so uh, my name is Ikra. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. And um, I am a PhD student at the University of Manchester. And I've been writing for Verbal Remedy for, I think, about five years, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And LinkedIn tells me I've been an editorial assistant for four years, which I think is the longest I've ever stayed in any post, <laughs> be it voluntary. I know, I was going to say, you've not got paid for any of it, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just been chilling there for four years. Um, yeah, and uh, Will Remedy is really special to me because it's kind of where I cut my teeth when it came to writing. Yeah, it's where I had my, my start. So I'm really excited to just be sitting here and chatting about all the things I do in the dark. And you've been involved in is it two of our podcasts or three now? Oh God, I think it has been two. Um, so if you listen back to the first episode, I have a hilarious conversation with my friend Ash about what it's like being hairy brown girls. <laughs> um, we talk a lot about threading our eyebrows. <laughs> you do. It's really, um, she, it's really long. We great. have a revelationary um, sort of discussion about laser hair removal. It's <laughs> it's fascinating and also very, very funny. Um, and then I, I sort of hosted the conversation we had about diversity in STEM in the second one. But yeah, no, podcasting is is my second love. Yeah, tell us about Brown Girls Do It. Okay, sweet. Self-promotion time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, kind of from some of the experiences that I had at Bevel Remedy, I really loved the idea of taking my activism to like this audio platform. So uh, me and a friend that I um, have back in Manchester, Alicia, we started a podcast called Brown Girls Do It. And what we do is we have conversations about race and feminism. We're two women of color. We sit down primarily with women and non-binary people of color. And we talk about issues that are like, sort of generally about race and diversity and inclusion and stuff like that but also issues that we have within our own communities and conversations that we want around sort of stigmatized topics and you can find it on all the places that you usually find podcasts (laughs) cool lisa hi um my name is lisa and it's lovely to be here this is the first podcast i've actually been involved with um yes well i am a podcast virgin (laughs) how exciting how fitting (laughs) (laughs) well And I'm a psychosexual therapist, which basically means that I work with, actually at this point I need to say that I'm not a sex worker, because people are you okay, Bridget? Yeah, absolutely fine, carry on. Because people do make the assumption, as soon as you put anything in front of sex, that, yeah, this is, this is what I do, that I actually partake for sex with my clients, and I absolutely <laughs> do not, ever. Despite getting phone calls asking me um, whether I am a, a brothel or <laughs> Anyway, that's an aside. So I work with clients either on an individual basis, a couple of basis, whatever, whatever they need, really. Um, anything to do with their sexual um, difficulties. And I've wrote a couple of articles um, for Verbal Remedy, maybe about three, perhaps, I think. Good. So, kind yeah. Of- been involved with Verbal Juicy Remedy. ones. Yeah. I was looking and it was like BDSM, threesomes. I was like, oh, rubbing my hands like, yeah. this is going to be great this yeah. evening. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of been on the uh, the periphery um, for a while. And I mean, I'll talk a little bit about how I, I got here, but I, I'm here tonight because of a post that Bridget actually put on about the topic. And I didn't think I had actually anything to say. 
And I thought, actually, yeah, maybe I do have something to say about this. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yes, we'll get to that later. And my pronouns are uh, she and her. Fab. Should I do me? Do you. My name's Bridget. I do me. <laughs> my name's Bridget. I founded Verbal Remedy in uh, 2013. Jesus Christ. So we're five years old. Uh, and, you know, we've I've explained already, we're kind of, we're doubling down on the kind of writer's development side of things that we're doing next year. So we're going to be basically growing our writer's database, uh, carrying on with the podcast, thankfully, and doing like workshops and maybe some more of this stuff as well, which is like super exciting. My pronouns are she and her. And this is cool because I feel like a lot of, apart from ICRA, a lot of the podcast has been done like in isolation and sometimes by isolation in order to get good sound stuff. I have literally been like in my cupboard in our wardrobe <laughs> um so I can just imagine that i know You're talking about periods in honestly honestly i have been in my cupboard <laughs> talking about this stuff and the cat has always wanted to get in so then i've had to be like scout for fuck's sake and she's like scratching you know on the side of the thing <laughs> anyway um yeah so uh this is nice to actually have some other people whilst we're recording uh which is great but let's get right into it uh a real general question to start us off. When you first heard that this was a theme, what was your reaction? What things immediately came to mind for you? Wanking. <laughs> Good answer. Okay. I'll be honest, I'll be straight up. Why does that, for the dark? Was that honestly your immediate Maybe thought? that's just how low my, <laughs> how, you know, you yeah. said my mind is in the gutter. Because you're an interesting case because we've chatted for a while about you having like seasonal affective disorder. I mean, the two of you have both had like insomnia, um, being up at all ridiculous times. Hallucinations really? in regards to seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking know, at you. I can't see you. <laughs> I'll do that. So, um, yeah. I mean, that was my first thought, but you know, that's me. So but why was that your first thought? Was it something about if being dark as in, you know, you don't wank through the day? Oh, I mean, it's, there's no, there's no, there's no <laughs> limit on how many times I would wank. You didn't say no masturbation, but, um, did you? <laughs> <laughs> We've just gone straight in there. That's well, what I the love kind about of this. Dude, just I am, you know. But I mean, yeah. In terms of the seasonal affective disorder, that's because it's this time of year as well, isn't yeah. it? When it when it starts getting darker and the clocks change, and you wake up and it's dark, and you go to work and it's dark, yeah. and you, you leave work and it's dark. So that is something that I would really like to to talk about today, especially the hallucination side, which a lot of people don't really yeah, think mm -hmm. happens. But I do know, I remember a friend in college had a similar thing to what I had. But yeah, just things that you do in the dark. And so does that come out of your, I mean, we can unpick this later if you want, or you, we can do it now, but does that come out of the seasonal affective disorder or does it come from the lack of sleep that you've had because of the seasonal affective disorder? Like what's going on there? In terms of like the hallucinations and how you feel? I think it's just a, cause I already have, you know, I've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Um, and I have, I, it's undiagnosed, but I do have obsessive compulsive disorder, um, like ritual activity, repetitive activity and obsessive intrusive thoughts. Um, and I think it's just a sort of all those added together, this conglomeration of, of shitty feelings. And then when the winter comes along, uh, my insomnia gets worse. So much to the point where, you know, you, you wa you're you watching uh, Vine compilations and then like, oh shit, it's six in the morning. <laughs> um, that kind of feeling. And then the hallucinations come 
probably from a sense of anxiety and then also of extreme exhaustion. Um, so I remember when I lived in uh, Jesmond, um, very, very briefly, because overpriced <laughs> and just like, yo, I'm just going to go to Weight Rose for my, <laughs> who goes to Weight Rose for a full shot? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, you know, when I was in Jesmond very briefly, uh, that was when my hallucinations were at the worst. So I remember walking into my kitchen. I lived with one other guy at the time, walking into the kitchen at two in the morning to make some, make a brew or something. And there were bats flying in the kitchen. And I was like, you know, like the all past my ears. Um, and that was one of the weirdest. I wasn't scared, but I was, you know, slightly concerned. Like, why the fuck are there bats in my kitchen? In Jesmond of all places. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think that's I think that's quite topical as well because it's coming to that time where more people start to feel a little bit down and a little bit different. Um, oh, I definitely feel it, and I know you feel yeah, it as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally was just talking to my sister. I've got a twin sister. She said the same thing. My friend in Nottingham today said the same thing. And I've been talking about it at work with my boss today. And everyone seems to get, you know, they call it the winter blues. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think everyone, I, I think the statistic is one in 15 people in the UK have seasonal affective disorder, but that's not limited to the winter time. It's limited to any season. Um, but I think it's just the drab, darkness, coldness. It, it can get to you and it, it always makes things that little bit more difficult and that little bit more of a battle or a struggle to wake up in the morning. Um, I recently, very recently actually, uh, bought a sad lamp. Oh, they're so good. They're so like we good. have one in the house and it is, honestly, it makes so much difference. It really, it helps me wake up, helps me feel a little bit fresher. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, they're, they're quite expensive though. That's the thing. Luckily my mate were flogging one for cheap. So <laughs> out back of their van. Um, but yeah. Ever from Wakefield. <laughs> <laughs> from Shaky Wakey. Run a sad lamp, love. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Choked on my But yeah, that'll be something, yeah, we could go into today. I mean, sorry about the wanking. I just thought I'd that, be honest. Right, like, let it up. <laughs> no, not literally. <laughs> We've got an audience. <laughs> um, Ikra. So it's weird. So the two things that sort of came to, or three actually, that came into my mind when you first asked that question was that I used to work night shifts at Sainsbury's um, over the summer. And so it was this weird thing of like, I'd go to work at like 7 p.m. and I'd, I'd leave at 5 a.m. And yeah, it really messed up my, cool. yeah. I mean, to be fair, once I got into it, the night shift like team are really, really lovely. And uh, we'd go for lunch at like three in the morning. It's very, very strange. But <laughs> yeah, it, it was a really nice routine once I got into it. Um, so yeah, that kind of came back to me. And then um, I guess we'll get into this later on. But uh, I lost my dad about four, four and a bit years ago. And uh, it was one of those weird things where it's like grief kind of felt like something I could keep at bay until I was on my own in bed. Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of when it washes over you. And then the third thing was uh, insomnia. So yeah, I struggled a lot with sleep, especially in my third year of university. Um, so it was one of those weird things where it's like the one thing I didn't do in the dark was sleep. What you think potentially is one of the main things yeah, that the you one would thing do. Yeah, that you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. And would you find that you just couldn't sleep and then once you got to sleep you were okay or did you wake up? Like what was the kind of pattern for you if there was any? I think for me it was just that I couldn't sleep or that I'd sleep but then I'd wake up um, four hours later and that was it. Like I, I would not be able to get any more sleep. So there was this really horrible sort of six month period when I was... I think it was, it was like second semester of my final year. So it was like dissertation time and all the rest of it. 
And um, some of the research that I was doing, I had to be on like these genetic databases at a time when the Americans weren't on because they just like clogged up this entire system. So I was working on like New Zealand time for a bit, which was not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that messed up my sleep pattern anyway. But there was a point where I was like for, I think for about six weeks, I was only sleeping for about three and a half hours every night. And that was just a nightmare. When I finally got out of that, I would just sleep for ages to kind of make up for it. Do you, do you get it where like maybe some nights you'll only be able to sleep for that long and then maybe at the weekend you'll sleep for 16 or 17 <laughs> hours? Yeah. And then you'll wake up like, the fuck is What day on? is it? What's going on? Because <laughs> it's either one extreme or the other yeah. for me. I don't know if you get Yeah, no, I had that. Thing. So um, all throughout my dissertation writing up period, I was like barely sleeping. And then on the day that I was supposed to hand in the physical copy, I woke up at like half one oh in the afternoon. And I was just like tootling along, having a shower. And I was like, I feel there's something I've forgotten, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then my flatmate was like, oh, have you handed in your dissertation? And my face just fell. <laughs> no, sleep is something that I've always struggled with. Um, but a lot better now, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Lisa, what about you? What were your first thoughts? My first thought, well, actually, so what happened was you put the um, post up on Facebook to yeah. say, this is what we're going to talk about. You, you know, what are your experiences? And that, that preamble was, was kind of there on the, the Facebook feed. And I was reading people's responses about how much people were struggling with sleep. And I thought, God, and, and I've struggled with sleep before, so I know what that feels like. But at the time I was thinking, that's just so terrible for them. I really sympathize. Because when you don't get good sleep, you know, everyone, everything just feels shit and everything's you know can be quite overwhelming and, and what have you I'm just I'm really lucky that I don't actually have any problems with sleep and I can be really spread eagle and I can go to bed anytime I want and I can do whatever I want in bed and then I thought actually the reason why I can do all of this is because I don't actually sleep with my husband dun, dun, dun. I know exactly <laughs> and I was like oh my god and I think that's actually quite an unusual thing for our culture that if you live with a partner with a sexual partner that you do actually sleep together yeah and we haven't slept together for about on the same bed um, for about two years now, and it's fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. And how did this come about? Like, when was the conversation that you were like, "I think we need to sleep in well, separate actually, beds, the, darling"? The, was it the conversation? So what happened? <laughs> you was, just, just well, no, actually, cut the was, bed in like two, <laughs> two single beds. It was put his, the double in the tip and just move them along. In the sense that, what, so what was happening? is my husband was doing a lot of yoga at the time um, and developed a shoulder injury and he was um, really struggling to sleep and get into a comfortable position so he decided to go and sleep in a different bed um, so that he wasn't disturbing me and you know he could kind of just like move around and do whatever he needed to do and that lasted for about a week and I was like yeah okay I'm, I'm okay with this and then he never actually came back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I started to think, well, actually, this is a bit weird. And I think what happened was is I got into that very conditioned idea that if you are married, if you are living together, if you are with a sexual partner, then you have to sleep in the same bed. So I was thinking, well, there's something wrong. You know, is, has he gone off me? You know, what's he trying to tell me? Is he trying to communicate something to me really non-verbally? And I'm just, I can't figure out what it is. So we're having these conversations, like, well, no, I'm, you know, it's absolutely fine, I'm fine. So it actually took me a little while to get to the point where I was actually okay with this. And I really had to question why I initially had a problem. Mm-hmm. What was that problem? And that problem was, is that we're, like, so we're in, we have a very conditioned idea as to what should happen in a household when you are two sexual people living together. Mm-hmm. 
and it's bollocks actually it's, you know and I'm, the things that I write for verbal remedy are very much about can we actually challenge these ideas that we have that have been given to us that maybe don't actually belong to us and just question why we do certain things and this is what I basically had to do yeah and now it's getting to the point where he's starting to think oh, maybe I want to come back to bed and I'm like no you're not <laughs> <laughs> you're really really not <laughs> and Strangely enough, I don't. I haven't actually told very many people that I do this because I think that well, other well, people. You well, I have now. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully this will be I a popular podcast. That many <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So people's response is quite strange, and the first thing people want to ask and have asked is, "So how do you have sex?" <laughs> so this idea that you have do you to like be... send them an invitation to come and <laughs> create an event Just... on Facebook. <laughs> 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 Brilliant idea. Event. <laughs> I, I like that. It's the millennial generation. <laughs> yeah, but then what would you do if they were like, maybe? <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I'm busy. Interested. And you're like, well, what are you? Are you not? Like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> but that must have been an interesting thing for you. Obviously, being a sex therapist or a psychosexual therapist, you must have had an interesting moment where you try to reconcile what you tell people, the very understandable things that you teach people in your work yeah. with the prejudices or the stereotypes or whatever that you feel in your personal life with kind of saying, well, this is what I'd say to a client or this is what I'd do if I was looking at this from a therapist's <laughs> point of view. But then when it happens in your own life, you're like, well, is, some, is something wrong? Is this really, yeah, like that must have been really strange. It was, but I suppose that's the advantage of, of being a, a psychosexual therapist in that I can allow myself to be really curious and really question yeah. what my thoughts and ideas are and, and why I would feel quite despondent about the situation and then suddenly get my head around, actually, this is a great situation to, <laughs> to be in and I really, really like it. But I think that thing about sex has been quite interesting because what it tells me and certainly what it tells me about um, the clients that I work with as well, and I hear this a lot, is sex is kept for when people um, get into bed to go to sleep. Yeah. It's so true. And I've been called out on this many times for just, I mean, cover your ears, Sam. For just like, <laughs> my long suffering boyfriend is in the audience. For literally everything is done, the whole way, it's half 11, and then I'm like, I'll try it on. And Sam's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's half 11 at night. Yeah. And we've had the whole evening when we were watching like, the great british menu or whatever it was that we were doing sometimes it just happens that way like if you've had a, a busy day and it's like oh let's go to bed and then you have a spoon and then you're like oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. and i think that's fine if it's like quite an authentic response yeah but the idea that that is the only time that you're going to have yeah. sex. it's timetabled in exactly yeah, yeah. it's like oh and that Time to get busy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and again, it's yeah. a very conditioned idea that we have that this is when we have sex, is, yeah. is when we're... And then, like I said, unless it's quite an authentic response, like what you've just described there, Saffron, yeah. usually people are knackered. Yeah. You can't be having your best sex if that's the only time at like half 11 when you've both had a day of work or whatever. Well, I wouldn't be because I'm usually asleep by nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, me too, to be fair. Yeah. Half 11's maybe stretching it. So, I mean, you don't have to answer this, but do you feel like now the intimacy that you have with your partner is is better? Do you like plan it more? Can you still have that spontaneous, you've got into bed and you're spooning? Well, obviously not because you like well, to no, say, we bye dear, and then you shut your individual doors like the queen yeah. and yeah. Uh, <laughs> Prince thingy. Yeah. 
What's his name? Philly. I was going <laughs> to... I couldn't remember whether it was Philip or Charles. I'm nervous, oh, okay, that's guys? A, that's Charles. a different subject altogether. It couldn't be Charles. No. Either way, they <laughs> close their, their doors. They say, good night, darling. Good night, Queenie. Good night, whatever. <laughs> and then they shut the door and then they don't have sex, is what I'm saying. This is like proper treason stuff. She's going to come <laughs> for me. She's coming for me. Sorry. Are you coming for me? <laughs> oh, dear. Out of context, that's terrible. Right, carry on. I was asking whether it was more prescriptive, like whether it was you can still be spontaneous or what? What? What's going on there? It's maybe not as frequent because we don't necessarily have that situation that Saffron was describing yeah. just there. But it's still just as good. I think my sex life is exactly where I want it to be, so it is quite spontaneous. Actually, it's very spontaneous because it, it you know, it's, it's not planned. But actually, having spontaneous sex isn't necessarily always the great way to have sex anyway we have it this idea that that's the gold standard but actually in many respects it's it's not Mm -hmm. but that's a different subject altogether and perhaps not one for tonight but I think the thing with relationships and sex anyway is that we always have to work at it this idea that it should just kind of take care of itself is a bit of a myth really and I think that's where people kind of get into a bit of difficulty really with their, their sex and their sex life in their relationships so we don't necessarily take anything for granted and am I really conscious that um sex has to look different perhaps how it well I was gonna say how it did previously but actually I've never liked um sex just about when I was about to go to sleep because I was always just too tired and I said it wasn't really yeah I did I really just wanted to sleep it was never going to be the best sex so it hasn't really changed all that much really so I think maybe that's why it works for us but I also think the idea that well why do I have this ideal of sleeping together because that's what couples do it's and also sleeping sorry again but sleeping in the same bed as someone is fucking horrible like they're all arms and legs and sweaty and they snore and nah i mean i love you but (laughs) no maybe we could start a movement we're starting a movement okay everybody from here has to go away sleeping separate (laughs) no emma say no oh we've got a resounding no from the audience do you all love spooning a little bit? Okay. Spooning is great. He's so toasty. He's so, so toasty. toasty. So what we, what we do meet on the morning in bed. <laughs> that's really whole. I really what? like that's, that. That's cute. Who really do, like that. Wait, uh, wait. We need to talk about this more. <laughs> Who comes to whose bed? Like, oh, he, he comes to mine. With a cup of tea? No, no, oh, no, no, not necessarily with a cup of tea. No, no. <laughs> Why was <But>, <laughs> But like, that was a genuine question. No, Drew, no, you, mate. Oh, exactly. It's my, it's my motto. <laughs> so, no, there's still lots of cuddles in bed. Oh, that's, that's nice. Cute. So, would you recommend your new lifestyle? Yes, I would. <laughs> I would recommend it. I would certainly say give it a, tr- give it a try. Give it a go and okay. see what happens. Okay, I want to talk about dreams for a little bit. Oh, sweet God. Um, <laughs> I've got a dream journal on my phone. Do you? Yeah, I do. Right crack that bad boy out oh well right so I, I wanted to start doing it because when I was little I really enjoyed there was this diary this dream journal in Wakefield market and it had like an enchanted forest on the front and I was like right I'm gonna and I you know when you have a memory that just suddenly comes up for no reason so I thought right I'm gonna start writing my dreams down because that means you're more likely to remember them um let me try and find one that's not really that explicit <laughs> you can just redact people's names if you want 
So I tend to, my dreams, I don't know about all of you guys, but my dreams tend to have real life people in it because as someone who's very anxious about sort of friendships and relationships, it tends to always be people who are in my immediate life or who are in my immediate conscious that are in my dreams. So I had one... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, come on. Okay, 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 okay. It's, Promise it's for some juicy dream stuff. Come on. And 50 so people. there was this one... <laughs> Should I... Right, so there's one about... Toby Maguire from Spider-Man. Right. Okay. There's one about um my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> There's one about a lot of them have projectile vomiting in it for some reason. Because I've got a fear of vomiting, so that always comes up. There's one about crocodile, the deadly drug that's worse than heroin. I thought you just meant crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> you, just said you said that and I was like, the band? <laughs> I've heard of them, they're quite good. <laughs> um oh, what about this one about um okay, so this one I had on the 20th of October, 2018. I love that you've got dates on the Oh, now. yeah, it says a lot on here. There's, it's, it's, how, it. off, like, how often are we talking? Like, Whenever I remember them. Okay. So usually, as soon, you know when you get up, and as soon as you get up, you start forgetting it. Yeah. Mm. As soon as you wake up, so I'm like, right. So a lot of them don't make grammatical sense because I'm half asleep when I'm <laughs> writing it. Um, but I find that each time I write them down, I'll remember it better the next time. Yeah. Um, so there's one... I'm just really self-conscious now. It's like, you guys are going to know what's inside my head. We won't. Okay, we so the one about Tobey Maguire. <laughs> um, Tobey Maguire, this is word for word. <laughs> Tobey Maguire with another famous guy in Big House. Accident- <laughs> <laughs> accidentally attracts lion in house. Other guy doesn't think it's real. They're on a terrarium or something. <laughs> Tobey Maguire in white shorts and a banded shirt. Puts wild tiger in box. Left cat food by a massive cat flap. Tiger just bounds in. One of the guys walks up to it with a hoover and tries to blow it away or deter it with the air. <laughs> Thank you very That's much. That's really... <laughs> there, yeah. That's so specific. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. And th- a lot of them are like that. So there's another one. Had a dream. <laughs> so in the dream, I had a dream. I was in a car with my dad and he tried putting his buggers on my face <laughs> and I puked in the car and then I was in Japan Just and magically. a guy has cocaine on the table with something to snort it up They and then it just says they apples and then I ride from the dad <laughs> I don't even remember writing that so you see a lot of them is, so when I wake up you know you're in that sort of state yeah. of of sort of uh, like you're like half awake you're half oh, awake yeah. you kind of think the dream actually happened in real life um so you know if i have a bad dream say in my i ha- tend to have a lot of dreams when my family members perish yes <laughs> um so i always Ikra like was just saying earlier that she had a, a similar one so do yeah. you get it where you wake up and as soon as you wake up you have to ring them just to make sure i ran downstairs okay. and gave my mom a hug this morning <laughs> yeah, so, the same yeah so i don't um i always obviously everyone dreams every night i very rarely remember my dreams unless they're like really really lucid and i wake up and i'm like oh fuck mm-hmm. um and usually it's only the nightmares that i remember so when my sister was younger i had a recurring nightmare that she was going to get kidnapped and i had this like really weird thing of like i'd be at the top of the stairs and see someone running off with this little baby and i'd like be running after them and it'd be like trying to swim through molasses or whatever um so i had that for ages i think it's just like anxiety related to be quite honest um but i had this really 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 awful nightmare like last night this morning um where i think the the mass the latest mass shooting in the u.s must have been like in my mind somewhere because i had uh, a dream that my mum was killed in the mass shooting and i woke up and i was like oh my god i ran downstairs and i was like oh my god mom 
mom, mom, I love you so much. And she was like, don't you have a train to catch? But yeah, no, that was awful. But I don't, I don't remember my dreams very often. I don't make any attempt to, um, to record them or anything. But my mom has this really weird thing, which I think is like a superstition that she grew up with, where if you see any sort of snakes in a dream, it's this idea that like someone has it in for you or like someone has some nefarious intentions. Um, And so the the way to sort of counteract whatever someone has it, like if someone's got it in for you, like the way to counteract that is to like go and give some money to charity. And so she's always had this really weird thing. It's like, if you dream of a snake, go give some money to charity. To like try and get money. (laughs) It's like a thing that if you have a nightmare that involves any sort of snake or any, a dream that involves any sort of snake, my mom's like, get a tenner out put it in the charity box really? yeah she's like you gotta pay it forward you gotta like get rid of this evil eye but then my mum is like a very typical pakistani woman when it comes to superstitions <laughs> yeah that's hmm, how about that? that's interesting so i have a couple of not like my my usual anxiety dreams which will be my teeth falling out which is like a standard one yeah. that we all get or turning to mush when you so it's like I get you know when you were younger and you would have like a wobbly tooth and mm. then you would be able to like <laughs> this is really rank but you'd like it would be twist wobbly. It. Yeah, enough to like twist it, but then not necessarily, you'd kind of get it stuck in a particular position and well, then you can twist yeah. it back. Sorry, everyone. Right. <laughs> so I dream that. And then I also dream that they like come out and then I can like feel them. Like I can literally, as if I've got pebbles in my mouth, I can yeah, feel it like that. I know that. what you mean by that, yeah. Awful. And then my other, I, I was such stereotypical anxiety dreams. The other one is being naked. So I'm get, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a new job in like two weeks time and, I just keep dreaming at the moment that I'm going to like go into my new job and be like, oh, hi, Joe, Hi, Natalie. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, everyone. What are you looking at? What's the problem? And I just look down. And I'm just completely butt naked, like completely <laughs> naked. What the fuck's that about? That's so like, they're like the, the, yeah, they are. Like, yeah. But that's so weird. And I've because... got Toby Maguire <laughs> <laughs> fucking bandage on. But like, I wonder why if there is, I'm not sure I believe there is some kind of interpretation that we can I used to be dreams. so into that, like looking at what dreams meant, because obviously teeth falling out, that means that you're extremely insecure about something or something is worrying you. But why? You're right, and how come? <laughs> you okay, hon? <laughs> but why do we have, like, if there isn't something in them, why do we all have similar ones? I mean, your Toby McGuire thing is just fucking weird. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that. No interpreting that. But I don't know. What do you think? Do you believe in, in dream interpretation? probably more from a um from a psychotherapy sense than yes I do and because I didn't I didn't train as a psychoanalysis I trained as a psychotherapist so it's slightly different I suppose we didn't do much about um dreams as such but my understanding is that dreams are what we dream is a representation of something so for example your wild tiger is going to be a representation of something <laughs> yeah. that you're thinking about. We it's not necessarily about there was like a wild, yeah, tiger. A wild tiger. We are all really focused. Well, that on my dad putting bogies on my face. What do you think that means? <laughs> Just so you know, I don't talk to my dad anymore. So that's probably it. Well, <laughs> yeah, that, that <laughs> might be that. Could be something. Along is that the because things. of the bogies that you don't talk to him anymore? Because <laughs> he's a bit of a twat. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, dad. <laughs> But I think that the naked dream, that, that's about being seen, isn't it? That's about being exposed. Yeah, being, that's about being yeah, found exposed. out. It's like imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's just like right there when you, you do something new. Yeah. Can you, you remember any of your dreams at first? Apart from the one you I had once had a weird one where I had sex with Jeremy Irons. And I don't fancy him in the slightest. It was really good sex. <laughs> oh, sex dreams. That's a whole other... Yeah, that's like... That's a whole different kettle Sex dreams are great, aren't they? They're so good. Especially like me when you haven't had sex since June. 
keeping that clock ticking. But then you're like, oh yeah, I had a dream. That Does anyone watch any YouTubers? Just me. No. I, I had a dream I had really passionate sex with a YouTuber. And a YouTuber. Which David, one? David Dobrik. If you are listening to this, David, DM me. Um, but yeah, sex dreams are great, aren't they? I think sometimes it's weird if it's someone that you know but you don't fancy. And have no sexual attraction to. Yeah. What the fuck's that about? <laughs> I don't sex dream about the old student union president. <laughs> Wait, the Tory one? Yeah. <laughs> And you just like can't look them in the eye and you're like, <laughs> yeah, that was a time. But let's just move on, yeah? What's the next question? <laughs> I mean, I this is the I can't do a segue because it's the worst. That is. Um but Ikra, did you ever dream about your dad? Because Ooh, I yes. have had some really telling dreams. So for anyone that doesn't know. I recently also joined the Dead Dads Club, the best club that no fucking person ever wants to be part of. We should have badges. Yay! I'll I'll make Um, some badges. (laughs) I've got a badge Um, maker, we can do it. (laughs) And so, obviously, Icarus has been amazing, helped me through all sorts of things that I never wanted to know about. Um, But at the beginning, I found that I dreamt a lot about him and it wasn't like weird stuff, like the, the, the way that he died or the circumstances weren't traumatic, so I didn't have like anything horrible. Um, but I remember one really like intense dream that I had about, I was back in, he was cremated. So there was no, we didn't do ashes to ashes in the graveyard or anything like that. So there was, it was very like simple. And I, but I imagined that we did. Um, and there was a lot of people there trying to kind of adorn his coffin, which was closed with loads of like jewels and, you know, like really beautiful, like sari material that you get from markets and like beading and stuff. And I just wanted to push them all away and leave the coffin as this really simple, like we had just like a polished wood structure. And I remember waking up and kind of feeling like that was so indicative of me wanting to like preserve my dad as the simple, like kind of beautiful, normal person that he was and not for anybody to put huge airs and graces or say like, oh, he was this or he was that, or I remember this and he was this wonderful, wonderful man, which... I sometimes feel like as soon as somebody dies, you, you put them on a pedestal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, sometimes he was a prick. And like, he, yeah. everybody knew <laughs> that because it was my dad. And of course, we always fought and, you know, but you love them more than anything. But yeah. I, I remember wanting to really like preserve that. And then there's other stuff there of also me pushing everyone away of not just wanting to preserve the simplicity, but also like the version that I had of him and not wanting anyone else to put that on yeah. him. And I've had a couple, but that's the one that sticks most in my memory mm. so i just i wondered if you'd ever if you'd ever yeah no it. it's a, that's another thing that my mum um really uh puts a lot of faith in mm-hmm. so my mum is very much of the belief that like when you have dreams that you remember like there's some meaning in them and stuff like that so she dreams about my dad quite a lot um and quite often it's like really positive stuff which i think is really really nice for her yeah um because there's this idea that like he's just constantly clearly on her mind um and occasionally i do have dreams about my dad and it sometimes it's like it it's kind of like oh it it's almost as if those four years haven't passed and I'm just coming downstairs for a cheese toast in the middle of the night and he's just there yeah. um like trying to hide the fact that he's got a cigarette in the living room which was like a constant thing like he I'd just walk in and he'd like put it behind his back and I'd see the, I'd see the smoke curling up behind his head and I'd be like dad I can tell you've got a cigarette <laughs> um so just like things like that um but when he first passed away so um TMI um okay. I, I did I did find my my dad which was 
scary. Um, but I think in retrospect, it was quite good that I was the person to find him because like I was the person that like wanted to be a medic at the time and like I just sort of snapped into action and did like all the the um the stuff that you're supposed to do, I guess. Um, but I kept having like um the the dream where I'd wake up on that morning and like in my head I knew exactly what was going on downstairs yeah. and I was like if I just get there five minutes earlier everything yeah. will be fine, um, uh, which was like a really horrible dream to have. But I think it is like that's just part of your subconscious being like oh if only things had turned out this way it would have been different. Uh, but then sometimes I do have like really really like beautiful dreams where we're just hanging out and I, like it's this weird thing where like I know that he's gone and he knows that he's gone and we're having a conversation in the present yeah so um I had this a dream about him the day after my master's graduation where he was like oh kid I'm really proud of you and I woke up and I was like crying my eyes out but that was really nice and I think um um my mum had this dream as well of uh, when my aunt passed away which was like a year and a bit after my dad had passed away and she saw them both together in a dream and um when they were younger, my aunt had a stroke and my dad used to like carry her around because they couldn't afford a wheelchair. This was back, back in Pakistan way back when. And um, she had a dream that he was like carrying her away. But like, and, but they both looked the same as they did like way back when. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really kind of sweet because it's the idea of like, he's still looking after her now. Whew, emotions. But yeah, so it's it's one of those weird things where I think like sometimes you have dreams that are like reminiscing, dreams that like are conversations you wish you could have right now. Um, but my mum is a big believer in this idea that there are sometimes like the veil between the afterlife and the current life is um, thinnest in dreams, yeah. which I think is like a really, really nice thought. And it's thinnest uh, in the dark and also poetically in November. Oh. Apparently, the month of November is the time of the year when the veil between the living and the dead is the thinnest. So, and uh, whether that, chimes in with the fact that the clocks go back and it's a lot more you, you spend your time in the dark a lot more maybe you sleep deeper I don't know but I found that really interesting I was really this is the first obviously the first kind of Halloween and whatever since my dad's passed away and I don't I don't really care about Halloween but I was really interested in stories around like the day of the dead and the way that Mexicans you know really celebrate that day where they come and and the, the kind of veil is lifted down and you almost like greet relatives that have passed away as if they're still alive and all of that. Um, and when I heard that about November and obviously my birthday's in November and I was like, oh, all the connectivity, it all makes sense in the way that you read shit into like a feather where, when somebody's died and you're like, yeah. it's my dad coming. And it's like, no, there's just a pigeon like <laughs> clean, just like cleaning itself there. Like that's where the fucking feathers come from, Bridget. And you're like, yeah. no, he's come to speak to me. Um, so yeah, I find that all that sort of, I've definitely found that a little bit, I've read a bit more into it, shall yeah. we say, mm-hmm. since losing dad than I would have before. And sometimes I do wake up and have dreams and think like, ooh, what does it all mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Does anyone want to chime in with anything else there? Just really briefly for me. So my um, dad died when I was 15. So I've had 30 years of not having my dad around and I've dreamt about him twice wow Which I, and we were really close as well okay. and I was really expecting to have an experience like you two have had where there's been lots of dreams and I was just be thinking about them all the time and it, it hasn't happened and I've got no idea why but I find it really odd that I very very rarely dream about my dad maybe you have but you can't remember them I always mm. remember my dreams oh, do you? I do oh, dream yeah. every night and I always remember them yeah oh well dish some dirt like what weird dreams oh, have you had I've, 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 it's not I've Toby Maguire not a line, is it <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, there's no way that I'll recall them <laughs> <laughs> it's quite in time but yeah I always remember them how interesting yeah. but that that kind of 
it's maybe a good place to 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 round off or gonna have like a quick break get some more tea and stuff i find like to me the discussions that we're having are divided into two parts in one sense the things we do in the dark and that the the things that we feel or the ways we behave when it gets dark fall into one of two categories either the dark feels like this big blanket that almost makes you claustrophobic. You can't see your way. You feel a bit more shut up than you normally do. Whereas, you know, in the summer you're you're up and you're about at half seven. And then, you know, nowadays at half four, it's time to go to bed and you just feel like awful. And like we've said for people that have insomnia, um, definitely with you, Ikra, in the sense that when I was, especially in that fresh, like grieving stage, you do keep it together. And then when it feels like all the rest of the world's gone quiet, that's when your mind is just the loudest it's ever been. But then on the other hand, it feels like when the lights go out, almost like your inhibitions are are lifted and there's certain Mm. like things that you feel able to do that maybe when it's light and you're a bit more exposed that you don't kind of let yourself think or, or feel or do does that kind of make sense yeah, yeah no, absolutely yeah, it makes perfect sense and I kind of guess that that's a good place to to think about that and we've got some little strips of paper at the front so if you haven't already jot down some ideas of things you do in the dark and straight after we come back we're gonna we're gonna look at them um I was gonna say keep it clean but fucking don't just go <laughs> go for your life I've set a precedent here <laughs> and we should From follow on. but yeah um so yeah let's uh have a wee get some more tea cake coffee whatever and then we'll come back in like 10 15 minutes cool well thank you part one right welcome back uh we've been looking through the magical teacup of things you've sent us and <laughs> the that? magical teacup yeah. of mystery. So we're going to read some out, talk about them, and then a couple more questions, and then uh, send you all home. How so, many each are we doing? Are we just in the one each? Or? I mean, let's just go round. Okay. Read them out like like this, and then I'll come back to me, and I'll do the next one, and then aye, oh, aye. after that, we'll we can chat. stop and talk about some. Yeah. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Who ordered a tea very late in the? Samuel. 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 Okay, so I've got fear. Very good one. Well, I think I've maybe um, identified somebody's shopping addiction <laughs> because I have Amazon Prime. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ikra? Mine's very wholesome. It says, think, ponder, sometimes have a little cuddle. Aww. Aww. that's very nice I have when I wake up with discomfort I listen to the radio with headphones nice same okay so I've got sleepwalk now that's something we haven't talked about oh. wow have I got some stories for <laughs> <to> you <laughs> I'm putting that in the other pile yeah this one Um, I'm a bit concerned about the person who's put this one in actually <laughs> add metadata to music files on iTunes because oh, isn't yeah. iTunes I disappearing? Like, what are you going to do when there's no iTunes anymore? You're going to have to find something else to occupy. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. Well, adding the album and the and the thumb and the artwork. Okay, to it. whoever I that is, that. we've got support lines for you. After this. <laughs> <laughs> Come and talk to us about it. Okay. Um, another wholesome one. I've got all the wholesome. Ah. Turn the lights on and then a little drawing of a flower. Ah. That's cute, isn't it? 
I've got one which I can relate to, which is search for the light. <laughs> oh, I like it. That's deep. <laughs> for the light. Uh, bonfire and stargazing and fireworks. Now that is a really good one. We've not talked about, there's so many ways. Like, I feel like we've gone on a path, which has been a great path, but we could have gone off in a totally different direction mm. and talked about like constellations, horoscopes, there's astrology, so that kind of stuff. With that, isn't there? Absolutely. So, so I love that one. Uh, the next one I've got that I really like is go for a drive. And the reason why I like yes. this one is because there's something about driving around when there's nobody else on the road. Mm. I find it a bit scary. Really I think there's going to be, I think I've watched too many YouTube videos where like a fucking schoolgirl jumps, you know, like oh, weird like ghosts. clowns in the middle yeah. of the road. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hide under the cover. That's a nice <laughs> I do that. <laughs> I've got fall asleep within seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you lucky bastard. Absolute champ. <laughs> Is that my boyfriend? <laughs> I remember posting a Facebook status once that said, choosing to date a snorer is like choosing to live a life devoid of all peace and happiness. And I think that is <laughs> so true. We're all looking at Sam. Every year that comes back on my timeline. And I'm like, this is still relevant to my fucking life. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dancing, not drink related. I like that this one specified. Hey. Not drink related. I like Although that. drink related dancing. Love a good is dance. Super yeah. cool. A good sober dance. Have a dance in your boxes <laughs> four in the morning. Why not? To yeah, Linda's fan. To Linda's fan. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of clear white light four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so that one, I wonder if this. Um, you don't have to confess, audience, but I'm wondering if that person has been asleep, wakes up. Then has a little bit of a boogie to themselves and then gets back into bed to sleep again. See, I was imagining someone going on a night out but staying sober. Yeah. Uh, That'd be cool. Or just in your kitchen at like 4am. That's the best kind of dancing. The best time to dance is like when everyone else is asleep and I put my headphones in, get a bit of Lindisfarne on (laughs) and just bop out (laughs) till the wee hours of the morn. Of all the bands to choose, that was what you went for. Oh, I'm being deadly deadly serious. It's because the play was on where I I work at Live Theatre and we had a play and it's soundtracked by all Lindisfarne songs. So, Oh, did you go and see it? Clear White Light. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yes, repping it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so now I'm just, I love Lindisfarne now. Well, there we go. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, I've got a really, really good one. This is probably the favourite one that I've picked out, to be honest. Um, have conversations that might seem too much in daylight, so confessions and fears. Yeah. See, that's really interesting. And I feel like sometimes driving, going back to driving, not necessarily in the dark, because you've got that, the person's looking at the front, you don't have to look at each other and you can kind of talk about things that maybe... Yeah. Are a bit awkward. Maybe the dark does the same thing. Yeah, interesting. Like I've had some of my most meaningful chats with friends, like at three in the morning. Not even like after a night out or anything. Just yeah. like sometimes you're just most honest. Like, like guards, your guards, your guards, guards down. down. Yeah. yeah, but you're not in a bad way. You're not vulnerable. You're just open. You know. Yeah. Well, you are vulnerable, but in a in a really yeah. wholesome way. Yeah. I like that. Um, my last one is listen to podcasts, Ooh, which my mum actually does. My mum does when she's trying to sleep. I'll walk past the room when I'm at home. I hope and... she's not listening to the fucking Verbal Remedy podcast when no, she's she trying to get to, to sleep. Um, what does she listen to? She listens to the the Black Tapes, which is a horror podcast, uh-huh. which I'm very... But she's trying to get to sleep. Oh, um, when I was little, because she loves horror, she got me into horror, I'll go past the room at like 10 at night and I'll hear someone screaming or oh, something. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Karen. But yeah, that's my last one. <laughs> okay, I've got... I had a power cut this morning, so I went to the gym to shower. I like it. Efficient. <laughs> <laughs> 
That person's got their shit together. <laughs> <laughs> like, well done. Yeah, if I had a power cut and was in the dark, I'd just lay there until it got light. And then just, <laughs> and then just leave for work. <laughs> so I've got um, Photograph the Stars, which I think is a... A nice one. Yeah. Again, it's something that we didn't necessarily go into. And I've also got um, YouTube videos of Carl Pinkleton. Oh, God. <laughs> I just wonder how many YouTube... Carl Pinkleton? Yeah. How oh, many of them there would head be? Head like a fucking orange. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's like specifically in the dark, though. Do, you, do they like save... They're too ashamed to do <laughs> it. Yeah, like they yeah. save a list of videos. This is a very niche... The, this is a the... very niche reference, but there is a part, there is a quote that Carl Pilkington says where he says, I could eat a knob at night. <laughs> so maybe that's, maybe that's it. Has that got something to do with it? Well, yeah. Interesting. Well, so I've got... Husband is light sensitive, so our home lighting scheme is on the gothic side. Ooh. I like that. So basically everything in the dark. Like that. Cool. I've got a good one, which is eat. How many people eat in the dark? Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. Oh, there's hands yeah. up in the audience. Yeah. The last one I've got is make plans as well, Ooh. which kind of feeds into what we were talking about in the little interval about creativity mm. in the dark. So Ikra, you said that one of your most creative times is at, is at night. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, so it's a weird one because um, as, as a writer, I, I do both like academic writing. Um, Obviously, my thesis is a thing. Oh God. Um, and then and then I've also like got my the creative writing that I do alongside that. So it's really weird because um I realized when I was doing my masters that academically nothing good happens after two a.m. <laughs> so like I can write whatever I'll, I'll delete it all in the morning. There's no point in me staying up any later. So I stopped doing all nights when I got to masters level because I was like it's just shite after two a.m. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just go to bed and then wake up and like carry on in the morning. But um weirdly enough when it comes to creative writing whether that's fiction or poetry or even like just you know stuff for verbal remedy some of the best stuff that i've written has been at like four in the morning or five in the morning or just like when i can't get to sleep so it's this weird thing of like my creativity switches on at night but my academic brain is like nope <laughs> absolutely not thank you why do you think that is why do you feel more creative at night is it just your body cycle is it like we've said know. like i really don't inhibitions yeah. possibly I, I don't tend to get more creative at night i will find myself if i'm on a roll writing something i'll find that like night doesn't necessarily matter mm. so it'll get dark or it'll get to like 11 o'clock and we want to go to bed and i'll just be wanting to like power through like creatively but i don't know i wouldn't say that it was i was more creative at night not sure I, i'd say that i i'm more productive creatively okay um i remember when i was in first year and i was in halls that were quite far away from everywhere else and i didn't have that the old hall Henderson. Oh my god, that Henderson was Hall, yeah. three miles out, middle <laughs> of bastard nowhere, <laughs> and uh, I didn't really have that many friends. Well, I knew I knew Errol and, and things like that, but I didn't have a lot of friends, and I felt quite lonely. So what I would do to make myself happy is I'd put something on Netflix. I would get a takeaway and I'd paint, like I would paint pictures just like from stills from movies that I liked, or um, just you know something a bit different. And that really, I don't know, it was just really therapeutic and the night made it better like I didn't I couldn't imagine doing that in the day because the day was assigned to other things like like academia and what yeah. have you but then at night it's like this is my time to shine in a way so it's almost like you've got if you work at night you've almost like gained some time because it's time yeah. you should be spending sleeping but it's not time you should be spending working revising whatever exactly but, that th but then that can be different in like because I'm in a creative role at the minute my job is is making videos and and editing videos. So for that, a lot of it, it's not a nine to five. And I just really enjoy 
say I've been in the office a few hours, I'll get home, I'll I'll watch something on Netflix and then I'll just edit from like 10 in the evening till one in the morning mm -hmm. and just cut something together for work. And I just, I don't know, it's nice. I enjoy it. I really enjoy it at night. And I don't know what, why that is, why the night is so different to the day in that, but I don't know. How has your day to day changed now that you work at live theatre? And obviously I know you're freelance, so you don't strictly have a nine to five, but occasionally if you've got workshops and whatever you're going to have to be in at a certain time yeah and I I'd love to say that now I've been in employment for like what four or five years since leaving uni that I'm like now in a routine mm. but I'm definitely not and yeah. I'm still like crawling out of bed at half seven like trying to will myself I wonder whether the freedom of being a student when you are able to kind of be your own boss and if the night is your most productive mm. you know like I can't I mean I could but I don't log on to like my work computer and start bloody queuing up stuff on Hootsuite at 4am. Yeah. But if you're a, a student, you can write your essays in the middle of the night if you want to and just shut your curtains and, and do that in the middle of the day. So has it felt like you've had to get into a routine or are you still just all over the shop? I think when I was a when I was doing my MA, which I'm still doing, but obviously the, the hours are different now. Like I'd had no routine and it was a very difficult year for me in terms of my mental health and I had a lot of financial problems. I was broke because, you know, you get fuck all money when you're doing an MA. Yeah. And my routine was, I needed a routine. I needed something that was regular. And when I started at live, initially it was an eight to four, nine to five job. And I woke up, and it started getting easier to wake up early in the mornings and I became a morning person briefly, but then I'd work all day, I'd graft. And then I think Harris, who's in the audience who I live with, can attest to the fact that every evening I'd get home and I'd fall asleep on the sofa <laughs> as soon as I got home from work, shaking his head in disappointment, yeah. Because um, I'd just be grafting all day and it wasn't a routine I was used to because it was daytime work. Yeah. And when I was doing my MA, I really enjoyed working late at night on the essays and stuff I had to do. Like, for some reason working in the day made me anxious. Yeah. For, I have no idea why, but being able to sort of sit in bed with all my papers around me and get it done at that time. I guess it's a bit more quiet at night as well. Like I did yeah. some, uh, like four or five months for BBC Newcastle and I produced or, depending on the shifts, produced or broadcast assistant on the morning show. Mm -hmm. um, and that was six. So I'd have to, I'd wake up at five, I'd leave the house at half five. Yeah. The only thing, I mean, I, I love the job, fucking hated the, early mornings the only good thing about early mornings was how like dead the time bridge was it was like the best thing ever like flying across it like whee, like wind <laughs> in my hair but other than that I did find the early mornings a struggle and then I would come home and I'd just be so like jet lagged it would feel yeah. like 5 p.m at two in the afternoon and I remember like asking for some lunch or whatever and then Sam like bringing me um a, a thing of beans on toast and then I was so tired that I'd like forgot I even asked for it and got like really um, inconceivably angry at the fact that he'd made me food that I hadn't asked for even though I had and I was just so angry at everything and just it was all really like a total mindfuck yeah to just be out of out of your kind of routine and I can imagine doing night shifts must have just been awful especially like coming off them like the withdrawals of getting oh, back into no the worst thing is I worked five days a week but um, very rarely was that just five days in a row. Yeah. So I'd have like two days on, like a day off, like three days on, a day off. And um, and obviously like on your days off, you want to make the most of it. You want to see your family, you want to hang out with your friends and you just have to like flip a switch and like be a day person for yeah. like a day. And it just never worked really well. But then at the same time, if you were like constantly on nights and constantly on that routine, you just never saw anyone. Yeah. So that was very difficult. But I've also worked 
like at the opposite end of the clock I guess where I'd be getting up for like half four and I'd be starting work just after five mm-hmm. um, or like I'd be getting out the house for half four and be starting work just after five because I worked in uh, Newcastle Central train station in my final year Oh yeah, um, in the this. coffee shop there yeah. whenever you were opening the shop you had to the shop had to be open by 5.15 so you had to be there by five you had to get all the chairs out and do all of that stuff oh god that was awful as well because you were done with your shift by like I don't know half ten at the earliest like half two at the latest but at the end of that you'd either be wide awake and like ready to deal with the rest of your day or you'd be knackered mm-hmm. let's talk about ghosts because we'll oh, have an oh, oh. oh god oh, please oh, don't so... tell me you've got a fucking picture of something no I haven't my stepdaughter <laughs> has just sent her a text oh, no. she's at work and I came home saying oh my god I have just walked through a ghost <gasps> there you go Wow, timely. Are you Very having timely. get her on the oh, fucking phone? So this is one thing that we kind of we, we haven't touched on that's like the paranormal at all, which is obviously a, a path we could veer off completely on. I don't want to go like all the way down that road, but just quickly, like, what do you believe it? Do you, do you have you ever seen anything weird on your night shifts? On your like, obviously, with, with hallucinations and stuff is is one thing, but personally, I've never scared. Yes, I have been. But seeing any sort of paranormal activity or ghosts or anything, I've not. What about you guys? I've not, but like members of my family have claimed that they've seen ghosts. Yeah. Like of people who've like passed. There's this um there's a belief in Islam that like the, the soul of a person kind of lingers um around their family for like the first forty days after they've passed. And um I don't know to what extent I'm like completely invested in that idea. <laughs> but my aunt, um, I think she had like a stupid argument with my dad like a week before he passed or something and they were like both like a little bit sort of like begrudgingly sort of civil to each other but they hadn't like completely made up and then he passed away and um so she had this uh really weird um experience where she went upstairs so my mum had fallen asleep on the sofa and she'd gone upstairs to like get her a blanket or something and she walked into my parents' bedroom and um and the light was on and she found that really strange and um and then she just looked up and my dad was there like with his like Handle the light switch, and then he was like, "Oh, no, it's okay. Don't be scared." And then just disappeared. And she like ran downstairs and was like freaking out. I had to like get her a glass of water and like get her to calm down. And tell me what happened. I I don't know to what extent that was like wishful thinking on her part. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she swears by it. She was like, "No, your dad was upstairs," and I was like, mm, "I don't think so." But yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, it's I, a weird one. I I don't. It's not that I don't believe it. I've just never experienced anything Same. like that. Yeah. And um, I remember when my dad passed away thinking like, oh God, is this going to be like when it all starts? And I was like, don't you get any fucking ideas. Just <laughs> stay there. I'm not interested type thing. And, and no, I haven't. Not even, you know, like I said, with the feather and the silly things, like maybe little signs, but never, I would shit my pants if that happened. Like, Yeah, honestly. no, she was like shaking. Yeah. Oh, I'd love, I'd love it. I believe you. Really? I'd fully I fully believe I don't it. know if I do, you know, like, because obviously there are like, certain elements of like oh this is when you can kind of feel someone's presence and stuff like that like that i can kind of like kind of believe but i don't know if i do believe in ghosts when i the house that i lived in last year in heaton mm. it was quite a big house and we think well, there was a, there's a lot it was very old yeah um because there's a lot of there was um as you walk in and when you look up above on the ceiling it's framed by like sort of statuesque sort of uh 
engravings of, of, of women, like a, I, d- I don't know, but it, it seemed very old. And there was a bell system, so I think it was like a maid's house or something. We're not that, that sure. But we had some straight, me and my, um, my old roommate and my friend Jenny, we were just very much convinced that there was something going on in that house. On one occasion, random pools of water appeared in oh very God. weird places where water shouldn't gather and <laughs> wouldn't usually gather like behind the TV, um, oh. in the middle of the floor um, and things like that. And we thought, well, maybe the plumbing's leaked underneath the ground and it's it's risen, but there's no way. And then I looked it up and the ghost forums that I'm signed up to, <laughs> <laughs> I want to believe. Um, and like it said that that's a paranormal occurrence. And then I could hear knocking from inside my wardrobe on occasion. Oh, that would terrify yeah. me. I loved it though. I was like, who is it? Come in. Me and my room. With it, you're all right. Um, and then another time, I was—I don't know if this was an exhaustion hallucination or if it was a natural thing, but I walked down the stairs and there was a man in a long leather trench coat standing in the doorway like that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Only for a split second, but I proper believe in it. My mum's seen stuff. My, when my mum was a when my mum was little, she had one occasion. Um, she lived with a mum and a dad, and she was in a room up the stairs and then there was a door in her room with a set of stairs that led up to the attic space. Oh yeah. (laughs) She was asleep. She was asleep in a little Karen. She was asleep in her bed. Uh, (laughs) Little Kaz. And um, she had an old wicker chair, which we then had in our house. And she said one time she turned around and saw the shadowy figure of a man smoking a cigarette sitting on this wicker chair. And that was one thing that she saw. Oh, um, and then on another occasion, she was in bed and she could hear both my granddad and my grandma downstairs, um, you know, chatting amongst themselves, watching the telly, whatever. And she heard footsteps walking across above her oh. towards where the stairs are, down the stairs. Oh, no. And then it stopped. <laughs> and she 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 swears, swears on her life that that's what happened. Um but you know, I'll just sit down I'm like, tell me again, tell me again. <laughs> Was there a glowing blue light underneath the door? Come on, ma'am. Um, but I'm really into that. And my, my stepdad is really into it as well. And he believes in um, like extraterrestrial life and things like that. We're a, Honestly, we're a bit was... of an odd family, really. Oh, um, no. Yeah, I fully believe in it. I, was... I, want, I, I hope that it's real. I know, like, this is. is hilarious, but have you ever seen Rod Gilbert's work experience? Has anyone ever seen it? No. He no, does. We Rod, Rod Gilbert, I just want to ask him to clear his throat. Yeah, he does. He's <laughs> like, but he's got a really hilarious like series on the BBC about he goes to different people's jobs and tries it out. So he does like mining, he does this, and he does one with a like a paranormal investigator. It is the single funniest thing I think I've seen in <laughs> such a long time. So I would recommend. Oh, um, one thing I want to lead us to and then finish up on is one thing that I do, probably second to sleeping, is go on my phone in the night. Oh, I'm really bad for that, you All know. the bloody time. Yeah. It's like, and I can be like, like half awake and just be like, so I'll, I'll reach out for my phone like, and um, just check what time it is. And I'm like, oh, screen light. Okay, cool. I'm just going to check Twitter. Yeah. And then I'll be like scrolling and I'll be like falling back asleep, but my thumb is still, still in going. In Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's... It's really dangerous and it's so easily done. And now everybody uses their phones as their alarm clocks and things mm. like that. Like, what do you do? You guys, obviously, you've already said, but do you, Lisa, do you use your phone a lot at night or are you, are you like, 
my husband's there, my phone's on the table over there, and I'm just out. And I'm I've got my shit together. Yeah. I'm in bed. Yeah, I'm just all about sleep. That's <laughs> all I care about is sleep. No, I, I think I'm um, pretty good with my phone, actually. So what I do do um, is I read to fall asleep, mm. but I use my phone. Um, is my so my books on my phone, so I do have my phone there, and my say my alarm yeah. is my phone. But I'm really strict at never going on line, or you know, I, ne- I never pick up my phone if I'm if I'm awake. I'm just awake, and yeah. I won't do that because I know it's going to be disastrous. So I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm pretty kind of disciplined with myself, thankfully. But I know how much people do really struggle with that, though. Mm-hmm. I think I Big sometimes, issue. yeah, I sometimes try and like hack it and I'll do things like on my Kindle app, I'll turn it to black and then I'll turn the brightness right down. Yeah. So I'm still reading and then if I start to drift off then that's fine, except for when you wake up and realise that the last like two chapters you, you didn't take in whatsoever. Yeah. Or getting like an app that takes the blue light off of your screen mm-hmm. and things like that. But just generally, like if I add it up all the time that I spend at night, when Sam's like gone like snoring and whatever and i'm there just like like a fucking robot look at my phone just stuff you don't even you don't even take in or you don't even give a shit about and it's like oh look at this fucking i don't know but do you know what i mean if if you're not necessarily taking in the information if you're not it's not necessarily got a purpose well what is the purpose because there must be it might be comfort yeah videos i've watched before like the YouTubers I watch, I'll watch the same videos over and over and over again at night. And I think it is a comfort thing. It's a it's a de-stress thing. And you don't really have to think that much when you're doing it, when you're watching it. But it's it because it's uh, familiar, it's comforting. Yeah. Because, you know, I used to be, when I was little, I used to be absolutely terrified of the dark. And I can't sleep in the pitch black because for some reason I get anxiety attacks. I'm more likely to get an anxiety attack if I wake up in the middle of the night and it's pitch black yeah so if ever I've shared a bed with someone they're just pissed off at me and I have to I've had to buy a an eye cover thing <laughs> for anyone who shares a bed with me because I like having the fairy lights on and my my little salt lamp on and stuff because I like that sort of ambiance <laughs> um but I think it's just the the repetition of it and the comfort and the familiarity I think mm. it's comforting yeah. to, to just be sometimes I feel like if we if if you do that traditional thing of being like good night darling good night darling you both turn your bedside lights off and then you just kind of sit there (laughs) like waiting for sleep to arrive (laughs) that just like freaks me out Mm -hmm. and sometimes actually it's quite comforting to hear that sam's fallen asleep because then it's like okay he's asleep now i can go to sleep i don't know what i'm fucking waiting for (laughs) to turn up but like it just yeah it's nice to hear that other person's sleeping and it always gives you permission to like chill and but yeah like i'll be back on like 1994 of a boy that i went out with once like five <laughs> years ago and i'm like back on his pictures at like god knows what time in the morning sorry sad um i look, I look through my old tweets and i'm like <laughs> i'm a funny bitch I was, <laughs> I was i was just gonna admit that and then i thought that was too bad <laughs> I, mean, I told you i'd go, I'd go full full full. i look back Shit, at my sorry. old tweets all the time it's like Got 16 likes, yeah, it fucking did. (laughs) (laughs) Because I retweet things that I find amusing and funny. So I'm like looking back like, oh yeah, I do love that. It's like, I have good taste. Yeah, that cat on a unicycle was really cool, wasn't it? Like going back like, oh yeah. I love it. Absolutely love it. My kind of final question then is, we've, we've talked a little bit about it in all these different things. And I wonder if the key 
to things we do in the dark. And this acceptance of nighttime is the fact that society, whether it's working till 5.30 when it's dark outside, whether it's push notifications, whether it's street lamps shining through your bedroom window, motorway service stations that are open at all hours, all that kind of stuff. I wonder whether that creates a bit of like a discord with the dark. And actually, if we accepted the dark, turn the lights down, turn the candles on, did things a bit more quietly, read the books, turned off the screens, we would actually become a little bit more like, we'd let it envelop us a little bit more and just enjoy it. And what do you guys think? Like what, if you are going to take something away from this evening, do you think there is a way of of kind of going back to basics with the dark? Or do you think we're always just going to be that those people that circumnavigate it and just carry on with our lives, regardless of the fact that the world clearly wants us to stay in bed and watch Netflix and we, we can't? I think that's a really interesting question. I, I'm such a city kid. So um, for most of my life, I've always lived like in the middle of a city. And um, and so for me, it was really weird. Like, okay, we went out to Linda's farm with a few friends uh, for a weekend a little while back. And um, it was the first time I'd seen like the constellations in the sky clearly. Yeah. And it was so strange. Um, so for me, I, I think I'm just constantly used to, we live just off a main road in Manchester, like in like an inner city district. So there's always buses going past. There's always traffic. There's always like people yelling and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, I'm not used to it being completely dark or completely silent. Yeah. Uh, and I'm such a night owl anyway, so I, I don't, but they can do that. And I think it's about distraction because mm. the day is filled with all these things. And then when you finally get into bed, silence can be deafening. And then all your insecurities and worries and second guesses of the day and of the week sort of come back to you because it's the only time when nothing really happens. So I think because I have an anxious mind, I don't want to think about, oh, this guy's stringing me along. Oh, what's wrong with me? I want to think about YouTubers doing stupid shit <laughs> because it's a distraction yeah. because you spend the whole day grafting and, you know, whatever, whatever shift hours you have and then you get back and then it's silence. And that's a little bit overwhelming for me, I think. So I like to split my attention. So if I watch TV and it's so bad, if I watch TV, I've also got my laptop out yeah. and I've got my phone out We're and I've got my planner it. out. It's called device stacking. It's a thing. We just all like our generation is awful at it. Yeah. Sometimes I, I feel strong enough to just put my phone. I've started putting my phone on the other side of my room so that I'm more likely to wake up and so that I'm not tempted to have a wee peek through, you know. But then I'll get messages that'll pop out loud and I'll be like, fuck off, fuck off, <laughs> you know, like. Um, <laughs> your alarm goes off for like three hours every morning, Harris. So, yeah, it, yes, now, it does. Now, come on. <laughs> it's true, though. And I think there's nothing like the middle of the night to like remind you of all the numerous ways you've failed in your life. Um, so, it. yeah, I totally, totally get that. That's and, mine. And it's like, darling, why are you still awake? And I'm like, when I was in sixth form, I like didn't. <laughs> Someone said goodbye to me, and then I kind of walked off, and I didn't properly say goodbye to them. <laughs> and I just that is so <laughs> And even though I saw them the next day, I just like still feel really bad about it. And it's like <laughs> you are fucking mental. Like why do we do yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Um, Lisa, what are your thoughts? Well, I've just learned that um, device stacking is a thing. Yeah. And I'm obviously yeah, thought no, it was a revelation. It, it is a revelation, yeah, cause, because I presume my generation just don't do that. Well, I, I don't do that, so that was interesting. 
I think there's something about the the dark. It almost seems like otherworldly. But I think what I'm hearing really is is that um, perhaps we have the ability to take control over that. You know, we actually have the ability to do something about our anxieties. We have the ability to do something with our vulnerabilities. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's easy by any means. I'm, I'm not suggesting that for, for one minute. But there's certainly something in there, I think, about embracing the dark and what actually the dark represents to us. And we can do something about that. Mm-hmm. Ikra, any final thoughts? No, I was just having a bit of a daydream. <laughs> <laughs> You're just already off. Yeah, I'm, I'm away. I'm away with the fairies, me. Well, firstly, I want to thank the three of you. So let's give a round of applause to Saffron, Ikra and Lisa. Um, Thank you so much for coming and thank you guys for coming along as well. Um, This wouldn't have been half as fun without you guys there. We would have still done it. We just wouldn't have told as many people about it. Um, (laughs) I want to end obviously by letting you know how you can support Verbal Remedy in 2019 um, as well as thanking Quillian Brothers, which is the lovely tea house. Uh, slash cinema space that we're in um, and thank those who have been involved in all of our efforts this year. So firstly, I've got to thank Laura Richards and the rest of the team at Sunderland Software City who have sponsored uh, the podcast this year. It's enabled us to do things like rent this room, uh, continue my subscription to Creative Cloud so that I don't have to, you know, do the old school slicing up pieces of tape and sticking things together. So it's been good to uh, have all of that. Then our headline sponsor this year has been Milk Round, which is a graduate jobs website. They've been fab. Um, our smaller but equally wonderful sponsors, which have included High Fly Ventures, uh, Millie's Beach Huts, Lisa Etherson sponsors us as well. Uh, then we've got Jess Sharman, Wayne Thompson, Paul Swaddle. And if you want to add your name to this illustrious lineup, that's a line, um, please speak to us after this. Or as I've said before, if you are listening to this in the bath or in bed or in your car, um, you can find all the information you need to sponsor us uh, on patreon.com slash verbal remedy. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash verbal remedy. And that's a monthly subscription. Uh, you get loads of benefits. You can change the amount. You can cancel and do that at any time. Every little helps. We've got people signed up for a quid and it's all really, really helpful and enables us to do stuff like this. Um, so on behalf of all of us, thank you very much for coming. We've got this room for the rest of the night, so you're more than welcome to leave. I'm not going to keep you here, but also get another cup of tea, have a have a mingle, and thank you very much. Thank you. Ooh.